Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth Podcast, where today, after a long break, we're finally going to talk about the National Basketball Association. Joining me um, from the other side of the country, he's probably pretty tired. He's been spending all his time doing live shows. Spread, how's it going? Oh, I'm doing great. It's so beautiful in California right now. Like, yeah, there's a drought. Yeah, the state's probably going to burn up when August comes, but it's been between 75 to 80 degrees every day. And then I've been winning money at night on the NBA, so uh, it's going really good out here in California. Wonderful. We thought it would be good. Again, it's been a little while since we've talked to NBA. I know we've been doing a lot of periscopes um, about tennis and stuff, and I know Spread and I stuck, snuck a little bit of NBA content in there uh, for at least one, if not two of them. Uh, but we thought it'd be good to check in a little bit on the state of the league, take a look at kind of each of the teams. And, you know, Spread, we're kind of in the the final stretch here, right? Like you said, the stretch run. Um, we've got all of March, and then you get about half of April, and then teams start to rest up a little bit for the playoffs. So let's try to see if we can reset our directions a little bit um, and get some good feels on these teams going through the rest of the way. And let's start in the Western Conference. I know we usually start in the East, but we'll hold that for a little bit later. The Lakers look like they have a pretty good hold on the one seed, I imagine, at some point, again, like early April, we'll start to see them maybe slow down minutes a little bit. Um, was such a big lead. The Clippers in second. Nuggets sort of fallen down a little bit to third. But the most interesting team, I think, spread is the Houston Rockets. They're the fourth seed right now. You know, they're eight games behind first, but they're only a game and a half behind third and only uh, two and a half games behind second. So they have a chance to really move up and guarantee themselves at least one series at home, if not possibly two. But from a bigger perspective, We've have now, what do you think, three weeks, almost a month of results with kind of this new small ball team. We've gotten to see how they fit together and, and what everything looks like. And I'd be curious to hear from your thoughts. Um, you know, you're up a little later than me, so I'm sure you're watching a lot more of the Rockets than I've gotten to see. Um, but I'll, so I'll let you jump in first. What have you seen from Houston? Is this working? So, yeah, here's what's interesting about what I've seen so far. It's actually gone kind of counterintuitive to what I've expected, and that's they actually play well against the bigger teams. Um, and then they're struggling against the other teams that run the smaller lineups. Um, so it's funny because they do can, they can take advantage of the bigger teams. And, and I think one thing that they're taking advantage of that I didn't take into account uh, when trying to kind of analyze this trade, when we talked about it, when it went down is the fact that teams now preach to get back on defense and not to crash the offensive glass. So unless teams are making a concerted effort on it, you know, and I saw, we've seen Gobert do it. We've seen the Lakers do it a bit. You know, we saw Steven Adams do it a bit. Um, but a lot of these teams, they, they're used to sending four back, sometimes five back, which means that the defensive rebounds are free. Um, so then it really just hurts their ability to get offensive rebounds when they run that small lineup. Uh, but it's not really materializing and I think the other interesting thing that we didn't expect was the way that the teams would attack it. And what a lot of teams are doing was they tried to put their center on Russell Westbrook, which uh, seemed to have made sense, right? Because he's the worst jump shooter out of uh, usually the five that they have on the floor, especially now with Covington and Tucker out there, you know, kind of trading the, the center big man minutes. Um, and Westbrook's just killing them off the dribble. Like it's not the advantage matchup that they thought. And even if, uh, you know, these centers are playing, you know, five, six feet off and Westbrook's still getting to the rim. Uh, so we've seen a resurgence from Westbrook, and I've been very impressed with Harden's um, willingness to defer when Westbrook does have the advantage matchup. We saw a lot of games where Westbrook went for 30 and point, Harden's point totals were in the teens. So I think this experiment is going better than I expected. I think that they're actually still, you know, we took them out of the championship contender uh, tier when this trade went down uh, I'm ready to put them back in although you know I still think that the Lakers and the Clippers you know are the clear top tier uh, but I think the Rockets are really close there and I think that they can upset you know the apple cart of Tad what do you think are you seeing kind of the same things here yeah I think when we saw the trade we were maybe a little myopic in our view and, and didn't take a step back to look at the bigger picture at the end of the day you know you move Capella for Covington that move specifically allows you to make your offense much better without actually, you know, destroying your defense. Capella was not some sort of great defensive center. So right. when you take him off the floor, um, 
you know, they struggle with really big guys, but how many of those players really are there? You start to look through the Western Conference. The Lakers have Anthony Davis, but he doesn't like banging and playing like a center. The Clippers have Harrell. Um, I imagine he should give him some tr- some trouble, but he doesn't exactly have the size. I imagine Tucker might be able to slow him down. You've got Jokic on the Nuggets. That should be problematic for them, but I'm sure they can figure out some way to swarm. You mentioned Gobert, but he's so limited offensively. It's not really a problem. Um, the Thunder have Adams. You know, maybe that'll be an issue. I, I don't know if they'll struggle with him on the pick and rolls. The Mavericks have Porzingis, who is criminally overrated as a post player. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Memphis has got Jaron Jackson, um, Brandon Clark, you know, good big guys, but not really threats in the post like we think. So as you start to think of the teams they have to face and what they really need every night from a defensive perspective, they didn't really take a big step back. From an offensive perspective, you put another shooter on the floor, creates even more space. And at the same time they did that, Russell Westbrook was finally getting healthy. And I think even more importantly, something that a lot of people haven't talked about, Eric Gordon looks like he's finally starting to get his legs back a little bit. He's not shooting as well as we've seen him in the past but just his presence out there on the floor again you put him and you got Covington on the floor it's just an outrageous amount of space for everybody to operate in it gives Westbrook all the room he could ever want to attack the basket and I, I think a lot of people have heard this stat he is leading the league in points per game in the paint for like the last month or something and by a good point and a half or so it's outrageous um it just it makes everything easier for everybody. Harden's got more space to operate. Harden's now getting the ball on kickbacks and Westbrook and getting to attack as the second attacker going into a defense that's already trying to react to something else happening. So I think that what Houston has done is you know really create something that just makes it hard for the opponents every night. They have to come out. They have to play defenses. Your switches have to be perfect. And even then, Westbrook might just come flying into the lane and run you over. Or Harden, you know... Dribble, dribble, crossover, crossover, throw his hands into somebody, make a three and get a four-point play. <laughs> it's just, it's, it makes them a really challenging team. And I'll circle back to your, your other thought there. I, I like them. I think they're really good. I still struggle to see how they beat the Clippers in the seven-game series. Now, the Lakers is a little different challenge because of the composition of that team. I, th- I think the Clippers have enough wings and um, versatility in those players. You know, like I said with Harrell, he's a big guy, but he's also... Um, fast enough to move around on defense. You know, again, they get to put Kawhi, Paul George, and Marcus Morris out on the floor at the same time. And the Lakers don't really get to do that. I mean, Danny Green's a pretty good defensive player, and, and LeBron has been at points, but nowhere near that group that the Clippers has. So I think that they still lose to the Clippers in a seven-game series and probably the Lakers, but I think they're actually in a much better shape. And, um, you know, anybody that was hesitant to be excited about that trade when it happened should really be reevaluating things. Yeah, so my my final question for you on this one is now a lot of times these teams are playing the Rockets. Obviously, it's something new, and maybe they have like a day to prepare. Sometimes it's off a of back-to-back. Does this switch when you give a coach, you know, these days off and you have the team completely preparing for it? Do you think it's going to be exploitable then, or do you think it'll still just be as effective even with the extra preparation time? I think like any offense, it becomes tougher in the playoffs, you know, as defense is have the time to plan for what you're going to do. I think, though, Houston's going to have enough versatility to be able to work around that. Um, you know, they don't have a big man, so they're going to really miss a lot of pick and roll in a traditional sense. But I have faith that D'Antoni is going to be able to find different ways to kind of mix things up. I think that the Rockets have always been looking for somebody as this kind of a second option next to Harden. It used to be Chris Paul, but he got hurt in the playoffs every year. So if Westbrook can stay healthy and continue to provide that secondary offensive puncher, even really be the leader. And then again, getting the ball and getting hard in the ball in positions where he gets to attack a soft defense. Um, it's going to be really interesting. I think that they will be able to adjust. Now, again, you're pretty optimistic. I'm looking right now. They're priced to win the Western Conference. I'm seeing six to one. Let me check one other place and see if there's a different number now. Six to one looks to be about the price everywhere. What do you think of that? You know, it's, it's six to one. Um, I think that puts them about 13, 14% chance to win the West. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I still don't really like it. I mean, I think I'd have to get at least 10 to 1 or more to jump in because, you know, you make a great point about the Clippers. Um, and who's to say that the Lakers don't solve it, giving the extra time? Um, so I guess I'm still not as uh, as bullish on it. I mean, I said they're still contenders, but I just – I guess what I mean is I think they have a better chance than, than any other team in the West, not Los Angeles. I would say that at this point, even though the Nuggets record is better – I see the Rockets matching up with these teams a little better. 
Uh, I'm not a big believer in the Jazz at all, and the Thunder, the Mavericks, and the Grizzlies are all, um, you know, a couple pieces away and a couple seasons away. Um, so I don't really like that number. Do you think there's value at that number? Not at all. Okay. Um, I think the only way there would be value in that number is if the Clippers were somehow to fall to three and there was maybe a chance that, they, you know, the Rockets got to play the Lakers before, before they had the Clippers or maybe the Clippers get stuck playing the Lakers or something that, and somehow they avoid the Clippers. But right now with it being 1-2 Los Angeles and Los Angeles, I just I don't see any way that they avoid the Clippers at this point, which just makes it really, really hard. Um, now for the rest of the season, has have, have you been bet on the Rockets a lot, like game to game? Yeah, and you know what's funny is I told you and you helped me a bit, so I appreciate that with um, me trying to make a more of a foray into totals. Um, and it's been going up and down. Got some funny comments in the on the live show in the chat. Hey, your name's Fred Astaire, not Totals Astaire, as I gave out two <laughs> losers on Sunday morning. Um, but the Rockets' um, points per game has actually declined since this, and the pace has actually gone down, which I didn't expect. Um so, but yeah, they're still a covering machine and I think they play better defense than they get credit for. And, and yeah, I've been, I've been pretty bullish on the Rockets at home, a little wary of backing them on the road. Yeah. Looking at the next couple weeks here, um, maybe at the end we'll talk about this. They've got the Clippers tonight. We won't get into mm-hmm. that too much right now, maybe later. Um, they go to the Lakers in about a week or so. I'm trying to see if there's any interesting big home games. They do have one really rough road stretch. From March 23rd all the way to March 31st, they play every other night at Dallas, at Milwaukee, at Indiana, at Detroit, at Philadelphia. Ouch. Yeah, yeah that's going to be rough. A really rough stretch within the rest of the way. So if they are able to move up into that third or even second seed, that'd be pretty impressive given some of the things I'm looking at. But So you like the Rockets night in and night out. Um, now, you said from a totals perspective, they're down a little bit. So have you been playing Rockets unders? No, I still can't pull the trigger on it. I've just lost on a couple of Rockets overs. Went back to see what was going on and realized that their uh, their their pace and their points per game had declined. So I'm still not ready to pull the trigger on the unders. My actual latest strategy for it is to try and get the total at a de- decreased price in game if they get off to a slow start. Or a lot of times they just hold their opponents uh, and they do pretty well on the other end and the opponent gets off to a slow start and you can get a better number. Uh, but as far as attacking the pregame numbers, no, I haven't been hitting the unders on the Rockets yet, even though my model's kind of telling me to do it that right now. Yeah, I think you're right. If you are going to try to bet some Rockets unders, I would almost wait uh, until, you know, kind of some spots live. Or, I guess, I'm sorry, if you're looking at overs, wait a lot. Because yeah. um, my first quarter model has their points, basically. I, I'm probably on the Rockets team's total under in the first quarter two, three times a week, frankly, at this right. point. Yeah. Um, so they do. They start slower than the market seems to give them credit for uh, so you're right. That's a good kind of live spot there. Now, looking at the rest of the teams, you know, kind of before we get to the battle, the eighth in the middle, we've got Denver, Utah, Oklahoma City, and Dallas. Any confidence in any of them to to maybe make a run here? Um, you know, looking at some of the prices to win the Western Conference, the Nuggets are eight to one, the Jazz fourteen, the Mavericks at eighteen, the Thunder at eighty to one to win the Western Conference. So you've got some big numbers, but hard to find value. You know given what we've talked about with the L.A. team. So, um, you know, looking at those four teams as we go through the rest of the season, is there a bet on team or a bet off team you see in that group? Yeah, so I do like the Nuggets at home. Nothing new, right? That's been a running theme for 10 years. The Jazz, I am out on the Jazz. I think that if you're running a a model that that Jazz had that, like, 15-game streak there uh, about a month and a half ago, that's like, um, severely inflated the numbers compared to where the actual team is. I think the Mike Conley addition has been a disaster, um, and I don't think they know what to do with them. In hindsight, I almost wish they would have dumped them at the trade deadline and ran with what they had. And maybe, you know, even if they would have got just a wing or something or, or a backup point guard and let Mitchell run the show. But I don't think that's a team that knows what it wants to do. Um, obviously, they they get all these great positions because they do the back-to-back with Denver and Utah you know, and they're still an okay home team, but I'm actually looking to fade the Jazz a lot. I think they get more points. I think they get lay more points than they should be um, quite often. Um, so I'm I'm down on the Jazz. Thunder, same thing. I think they had a great start, uh, but I think they're kind of returning to earth as these teams are kind of coalescing and becoming, you know, getting ready for their playoff push and taking things a little seriously. And also, 
not overlooking the Thunder on the roster because I know you and I overlooked them on the preseason. We had them as a lottery team. Um, and so I'm sure a lot of the other teams were overlooking them as well. Uh, even the coaching staff on preparation, maybe looking ahead to another game. Um, now, to our credit on Oklahoma City, we did like their starting five at the beginning yeah. of the year. We just thought it was preposterous that they would stay healthy all season long, and they have. So right. um, kind of half right, half wrong there. You know, when yeah. you're talking about the Jazz, I think actually that the biggest problem is, is Gobert. I, I think that Rudy should really? buy Mike Conley a couple dinners for just being there and taking up all this blame. <laughs> he like continues that. to just stagnate on offense, and I think you know regular season he's okay. He does enough defensively. You get teams that aren't quite paying attention on some of those pick and rolls, but once we get to the playoffs, he's going to get played off the floor. He is not going to be playing for the Jazz at the end of close games or games where they're behind. You know, when they have a lead, I'm sure they'll have him on the floor for defensive purposes. But when I look at the roster construction, that's what I see that sticks out to me. I mean. In the NBA today, you can't have a big man that's limited on offense. You really can't have any player that's limited on offense, but someone like him specifically has got to be able to do something in the post or do something interesting from a pick-and-roll perspective. He's not a particularly great passer. I think you're right. That team's really, really limited. The Nuggets were the only team that I thought could maybe do something interesting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Jokic continues to get better and better as I assume he plays himself into shape. Michael Porter Jr. is incredible. I don't know why they're not giving him more minutes, but that's the only team because they just present some some weird matchups. Again, as you start to think about the Clippers, you start to think about the Lakers. I guess the Lakers can put Davis on Jokic, but he generally doesn't. Davis generally shies away from playing bigger, more physical guys, and I think Jokic can kind of beat him up. So the only team I'm really optimistic about are the Nuggets. But again, as you look at the pricing, you know, eight to one, it's eleven percent chance. That sounds about nope. right. That might even be a little over. Really, it's, I think it's high. I think it's like maybe a little high. Chance. I, had, I was pretty high on the Nuggets preseason. I'm starting to get back yeah. to that. I just, I really like the way the roster's kind of put together, and I think Malone's a good coach. So we'll we'll see. But on the, the Porter Junior minutes, just from watching the team, it, he's he's a defensive liability, and I think it's a tough uh, conundrum for Malone. Because it's not because of effort. You know, we've seen guys out there where they're not trying on defense, right? Cam Reddish sticks out to me the first 10 games of the season. You know, just you see a guy who's just not trying, and it's obvious. Porter Jr.'s trying. He just doesn't have the uh, the acumen. He's just not really used to the speed of the NBA game yet. So he can't use his athleticism to bail himself out uh, when he makes mistakes or he gets a little aggressive. Uh, I think that's where Malone's having problems giving Porter Jr. extended minutes. It is not it's not the lack of effort so that's why it's tough right because usually you bench guys for lack of defensive effort the efforts there is just the results aren't because he he's still learning how to be a defender and like as a rookie and a, a highly touted guy that really probably was never asked a lot defensively um you know that's where he's really going to need to improve and i think that's why he hasn't got the minutes that that you and i probably think he deserves I just think the regular season is the time to play somebody like that. He's not going to get better sitting on the bench. It's, he's got to be out there on the floor. But, you know, again, Denver is interesting. But like we said, we're not really that fascinated or excited to bet on a lot of these teams. Now, the race for the eighth seed, who is going to be the, the last team in the Western Conference Finals, got has gotten a lot more interesting over the last week. The Portland Trailblazers, despite just losing a player, it seems like, every other week, continue to win games and are only three and a half games out. You've got your Sacramento Kings, who by all accounts, should be tanking spread. I don't know why on earth they're trying to win games. I guess Luke Walton's trying to make sure that he doesn't get fired. They're only three and a half games behind. You've got the Spurs four games behind, and the Pelicans now five games behind, maybe a little too far out. Um, But as you look at that race there, spread, who do you think comes out on top? And are you excited at all to take that team in any way against the Lakers in the first round? Well, what a difference a week makes. Because if we were recorded this last week, I would have been all in on the Pelicans. Um, I love the team uh, from offensive standpoint. It's so much fun watching them in the half court. Uh, Lonzo's uh, maturation has become, to me, one of the most fun parts of this NBA season because I really liked him coming out of, of school. I think he got a raw deal in L.A., and it's really fun uh, to be able to watch him succeed. But, I mean, this team can't defend. I mean, they just can't defend. Same thing. I don't necessarily think they don't try. They should be a good defensive team, right? Ball and Holiday do quite well on their particular matchups, but Ingram gets killed. Um, Zion is pretty much only a post defender at this point, and and who who goes to the post? Like he gives you those great highlights uh, where he he'll rotate off his man and he'll get a really good block. Um, but as a 
day in day out you know or, you know play in play out uh defender he's a net negative um and so i've really liked the pelicans about a week ago but i've watched them go against the top teams i watched the game against the lakers on sunday i took the pelicans and just felt i felt dumb like i was just like this team they can't stop them like how are they gonna get stops they have to outscore the other team um so i'm kind of out on the pelicans i'm out on the spurs i you know well coached, this and that, nice team, but they just don't have it. They don't have the shooting. They don't have the athleticism to keep up with these other teams. The Kings, I don't really know what to make of them, so I'll go ahead and uh, just pass on them. I'm actually surprised they're doing so well. Um, but, you know, I was high on them preseason. I just think it took them a little while uh, to figure things out. And Luke Walton is, was getting a bunch of criticism here. He finally, uh, you know manned up put buddy healed on the bench because he wasn't playing defense and the team's playing better uh, so i think that that's the main reason that all of a sudden they're playing well is they've got bogdanovich on the floor as one of their best players uh trailblazers probably i think have the best chance at this point i think that if lillard didn't get hurt you know they'd be neck and neck with memphis right now i think that injury hurt them a lot uh collins and nurkic can only help when they come back and the Grizzlies, I would have said the Grizzlies for sure, but missing Jackson and Clark, uh, it's, a, it's a tough ask for John Morant to lead that group um, against the tough Western Conference teams. So right now, if I were to rake the chances, I'd probably say Trailblazers, Grizzlies, Kings, Pelicans, and Spurs. What do you think? So you like the Blazers to come in the upset. I wanted to touch on the Pelicans a little bit. We got to watch that fantastic game last night against the Mavericks. And, yeah. and you're right. When it got to the end of the game, the Pelicans couldn't get a stop. I mean, Giroux was very good. Um, you know, there's that highlight that I think everyone's seen or, or will see at some point of Luka kind of crossing him up a little bit. I mean, shame on Giroux for reaching like that. But I thought that he did a nice job throughout the game. What struck me was just more some some coaching issues. There was two plays at the end, and we talked about this in our chat, where Derek Favors is just doing the wrong thing. I mean, Luka's got the ball at the top of the key, and Favors is standing a good foot behind the three-point line, like trying to guard the drive. It just seems outrageous to me. He should be blitzing Doncic off the three-point line and then trying to get back as fast as he can to help on somebody else. And then you saw there was a pick-and-roll, like I can't remember was the play after that or the play before that, where he's just stuck in no man's land. He's not guarding Doncic. He's not guarding Porzingis. And Doncic puts a perfect bounce pass into KP, and he dunks it like it's just nothing. And it just it's really tough for the Pelicans. I think it'll be an awesome team next year. I will say that um, Zion is much better than I thought he would be. It's you know I was always worried about what he would do playing against other grown men, and he's just way more fat. He's just much faster than I thought he was. Uh, you know, college is so deceiving, and maybe. You know, it's tough because you don't know what you're comparing against, but he's spectacular. I think that they're more focused on next year. I still think the Grizzlies have this kind of locked up. You know, they've got a three-and-a-half game lead. I think that the team is very good. Obviously, they've got some injury problems with Clark and Jackson out, but um, Valanchunas has been playing some nice minutes. And Gorgie Deng, uh, again, terrible on offense, but one of the best defensive centers in the league. He's been acquitting himself nicely. So I think the Grizzlies kind of hang on here. Uh, the Blazers are intriguing. Like you said, um, Zach Collins might be back at some point soon. Um, Nurkic is supposed to be playing like any day at this point. So they have help coming. I just I wonder if they're a little too far behind at three and a half games. Cool. Well, yeah, we'll have a f- fun little friendly net worth wager here because uh, I got the Blazers and, and you got the Grizzlies and the winner, uh, the loser can send a congratulatory gift. Uh, so I'm spotting you three and a half games here, but I, I do think the Blazers are going to come back. So yeah, that'll be fun. And I, I do think you make some great points, um, you know, especially about the Pelicans. So uh, before we move on though, because obviously, you know, and you suffer the same thing with your Sixers, tell me about the Kings from an unbiased perspective. What what are you seeing here? And uh, do they do they have a shot? Like, what do you think about no, this? No, they don't have a shot. I think it's just ridiculous. <laughs> like I said, they should be losing games. I don't know what the heck they're doing. Um, Bagley should just be out for the season. There's just some sort of thing. Well, he, pr- he probably will be. They just they should release it. That should have been a month ago. He's not coming back. Like just put him on the shelf. Put him away for the rest of the year. De'Aaron Fox. They should be finding ways to have him play less minutes. Uh, it's, they should be doing everything they can to play Bogdanovich a lot so they can get a good offer for him. You know, as a restricted free agent, if they're not able to keep him, it's just. This baffles me that they're going to continue to try to win games and chase after a playoff spot that I th- they're really going to be hard-pressed to get. Um, I think it's Luke Just Walton to give to you an insight on why they're know. doing it, 
they don't want that record, you know. They don't want that playoff drought record. So, oh, is, is that what happens this year? If they miss the playoffs, they on the record for most seasons without a playoff? I think chance? it would be next year. They would tie, like, the Clippers from the 80s or something. But, yeah, I, I mean, just making the eighth seed would be huge here, and, and they really need that because, um, I, I, honestly, I think they're doing it for season tickets. You know, I mean, the, the, the attendance is just this drop. This is the first year we finally had expectations. They're not meeting them. Um and they just need to do something to save face. So it's not surprising me that they're trying. I, I think that you're right from a macro perspective. It is kind of silly. Um, but I just don't think the way the community is going and, and, and just with the season tickets that they can. Yeah, that's, I think that's obviously why they're pushing. Again, Luke wants to protect his job. They, they want to try to get a chance to sell some playoff tickets and drive some interest. But I, like you said, Buddy Heald, I liked him at the beginning of the year. But you're right, something something's off with him. He's not... He was okay defensively last year, wasn't he, or, or am mm-hmm. I insane? No, and it was because Jaeger was keeping him in check. And, in fact, you know, uh, the real reason, you know, it came out this year was Jaeger and Vladi butted heads. And, supposedly, Jaeger wasn't letting the Luka pick go because I guess he was banging his fist on the table on the lead-up to the draft. That, like, you guys have to take Luka. You guys have to take Luka. And then, you know, when he was proven right, he wouldn't let it go. Um, but he also had problems with Heald. Um, there was actually a shouting match, you know, on court last year towards the end of the game when he wasn't playing defense. And so I can only imagine behind the scenes. Um, but Heald also wanted him out too. And I, but I think that's because uh, Jaeger was forcing him to play defense. So I think Jaeger's going to be a great coaching candidate for some team next year. Uh, it's, just to hear you talk about him like that, I hope the Sixers sign him. They won't. They'll extend Brett Brown because they'll feel bad for him because of something or whatever. But <laughs> you look at the Kings roster spread, I, there's optimism. I mean, you know, there's no showstopper here, but you've got a lot of talent. Fox, Bogdanovich, Yeah, I think Barnes. Fox could be a real star. Yeah, Fox, Bogdanovich, Barnes, Belyitsa, Harry Giles is solid. Buddy Heald's good when he tries hard. Bazemore is a solid NBA player. Um, but it's just, it's... I don't know what your cap situation looks like. I don't know how you guys add that next piece. And, you know, again, thinking long term, I would be trying to lose games, get the best draft pick I can get, and then maybe trying to put that draft pick together with some of these pieces to make a swing at maybe finally getting a real franchise player. I mean, maybe that could be Fox, but I think that maybe he's too limited given his size and how good that position is in general in the NBA. But I guess maybe a question for you then. Do you see someone capable of being the best or even the second best player on a championship team here? Uh, Fox, for sure. I don't know about best, but he could definitely be the second best player on a championship team if he continues to develop. Obviously, current Fox now. Uh, but I think he does have a ton of potential, and you can't teach the athleticism. Uh, good work ethic, too. So I actually think they're smart to build around Fox. Um, but, yeah. It's still pretty bleak out here in Sacramento. I can't even believe they made it this far. I thought we would be like at 15th in this point. So we've got three other Western Conference teams we haven't touched on. We'll do a quick tanking update. The Phoenix Suns, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Warriors. And I see only one team that's actively tanking in this bunch. How about you? Yeah. Uh, the, the Warriors, right? <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, they're bringing Steph yeah. Curry back, but I assume that's just to sell some tickets at the end of the year. I don't think that we'll see him play significant minutes or a significant amount of games. Um, you know, the Warriors, let me see real quick. They've played 52 games. So they've got 30 left. Um, I wonder if Curry plays in even 20 of those games, um, let alone a serious minutes load. Uh, but they've got the worst record by a mile at this point, so they're pretty safe. But the other two teams, I mean, Phoenix continues to play well. And maybe it's kind of the same thing as Sacramento. They like their team. They want to see how it plays together and maybe inspire the fan base a little bit towards next year. The Timberwolves, again, if I'm running the Timberwolves, shutting Towns down for the rest of the year, going to really lower Russell's minutes load, you know, just see how the young well, here's kids play. The thing. Let's pick up some ping pong balls. Watching the Timberwolves, if I wanted to lose, I would put Towns back out there. Wow. He's such a net negative defensively. This team is actually playing better with Nas Reed at center because he actually tries hard and, and plays defense. This team actually... Because the net ratings of the whole year, I think they got a steal on that trade, picking up Beasley and Hernan Gomez. You watch their five out there uh, with Russell, Beasley, Hernan Gomez, Okagi, and Reed, and they're actually an okay team that's getting double digits almost every night. So of the three teams we're talking about, I've actually been betting the Timberwolves. Um, 
I don't even touch Warriors games. I have no idea what to make of them. And the Suns, I'm, I, I fade them a lot still. I don't. I think that they're about where their net rating is. But I think there's still a little value on the Timberwolves right now with some young players that are get excited to get a chance to play. And I think that with their upgrade defensively with Reed, boy, uh, we talk about Jaeger holding people accountable. Saunders is going to have to help hold them accountable because you can see the difference having an actual center that, that rim protects and helps out uh, his, his perimeter defenders. So uh, I'm actually a buy on the Timberwolves when I'm getting double-digit spreads for the rest of the season right now. Oh. I'm not as optimistic, but like you said, it's it's tough to sort of parse what these teams are trying to do and, and what actually is going on. Like you said, Towns has a, a really interesting effect where when he plays, um, his defense is so bad and his offense is so good, it's a great overspot. But when he's off the floor, the unders have looked really good for a lot of the other reasons you've talked about. Now, looking at the last few games, they've really been all over the place from that perspective. So maybe Russell's Oh, their defense sucks. I mean, they've been going over like crazy. Yeah. I think at one point during the game, what game were we watching? Sunday night. Anyways, it was at 280, <laughs> the live total. Oh, God. I mean, they just don't play defense at all, and they're playing at fast pace uh, with Russell, you know. So uh, terrible defensively, but I don't think that they care at this point. I think they're just out there getting some run. And that's why, you know, for the tanking, all that matters is the loss. And I'm just saying they're not going to lose by, by more than 10 as much as the books think. All right, last question in the Western Conference. We'll go back to the odds. The Lakers are favored to win the Western Conference at plus 125. The Clippers are at plus 200. Do you see any value in either of those numbers? If I had to pick one, I'd take the Clippers, but I'm not sure that I see any value. How about you? Yeah, no, I'm not betting this right now. We'll just be able to bet the individual games and, and take advantage of it that way. There's no reason to tie up your money on just a simple two-to-one uh, that has so many variables involved. Yeah. All right, let's jump into the Eastern Conference. The Bucks nine-and-a-half game lead. They are going to be the first seed. They've already locked up their playoff spot. Then things get interesting. Number two, you've got the Raptors. A game behind them, and third is the Celtics. Two-and-a-half games behind the Celtics, three-and-a-half behind the Raptors is the Heat, and then you've got the Pacers and Sixers, both, um, both now um, six-and-a-half games behind the Raptors for second place. Um, as you look at that group in the middle... Um, you know, again, Raptors, Celtics, Heat, Pacers, Sixers, the two through six group. Does anybody stick out as having a real shot at knocking off the Milwaukee Bucks? Because as you look at some of the prices here, it's gotten to the point now Milwaukee's minus 200 to win the East. You could get the Celtics at five to one, the Raptors at six and a half to one, the Heat at nine and a half to one, the Sixers at 10 to one, and the Pacers at 28 to one. Um, so as you look at that group again, and here's some of those numbers, who do you think might be able to challenge the Bucks, and then might there be any value in that number? So it's weird. I do think the Heat can challenge the Bucks. They beat them recently at home uh, over the weekend. Watched the game. Actually, arbed it. I got plus money on both sides. Um, but the Heat, because of the way they play defense. They can funnel Giannis to the middle, and Giannis's one weakness right now is you got to get him to turn his back to the basket. If you can get him to need to protect the dribble, put his back to the basket, um, that's where he loses efficiency. He doesn't pass as well when he's not facing the rim, and the Heat do this better than any other team. So from a matchup perspective, I think the Heat have the best chance of upsetting the Bucks uh, in a series, but I think that they match up kind of poorly against the other teams so that's why I don't like them to win the whole thing I think that the uh, Celtics kind of match up with them well um, I think that even the Sixers match up with them well so I, I do I do think the Heat have the best chance to upset the Bucks, but I don't necessarily like their their price to win the East because I think they struggle maybe against some of the other Eastern Conference teams I think in the East these matchups are really wild here where um, depending on how the seedings play out you know, you could have a way different Eastern Conference Finals. I don't think that the teams just, you know, are just one, two, three, four. You know, I think that they all kind of match up with each other kind of uniquely, and we can see a lot of different combinations here. As I'm going through, I think that, you know, like you said, Miami is probably the most interesting team. When they play their best, I think that they are going to have the best chance of slowing the Bucks down. They have the right combination of athletes and, and intelligent players 
to really, like you said, funnel Giannis into positions where he's going to be uncomfortable. Spolstra is one of, if not the best coach in the NBA. You know, when he has time to think about this stuff and put it together, I think that he's going to do a really spectacular job. What I do wonder is how the Heat are going to be able to score points against the Bucks. I think that the Bucks also, you know, Budenholzer is a good coach. He's going to be able to tighten things up as well and, and make life hard for Miami. So I wonder how the Heat generate buckets. Um, you know, we saw Jimmy Butler in the playoffs last year. He's pretty incredible from time to time, but I don't know that if you know Jimmy shooting contested twos is really the best way to do that. So, you know, when I was looking through it, I wonder if the Celtics can pull this off. I think that again, Brad Stevens, really smart coach. You've got a team full of athletes. You've got someone in Jason Tatum that is problematic for anybody at this point. You know, I don't care who you are and who you have playing on defense. Um, Jason Tatum is just killing and getting mm-hmm. buckets and. Again, if Stevens can kind of figure that out, I think he'll find ways to slow Giannis down a little bit. And then the Sixers. You know, I, I know that I am a huge Sixers fan, but I rarely ever have anything nice to say about him. We're finally at the point where a 10-1 to 1 to win the East. Simmons is healthy from the playoffs. His Embiid is healthy in the playoffs. Uh, you know, even Brett Brown might not be dumb enough to slow that down. Um, so if I was looking for a value spot, I think the Sixers at 10-1 to 1 are really interesting. And I think I have to go back through and check. I think I have some Celtics to win the East preseason at a pretty nice number. I hope I do. Uh, but 5-1, to one, that's probably just about right. But if I had to pick two, I think I'd actually probably go with the Celtics and the Sixers. Um, what do you think of that? Do you like the Heat from a value perspective? Yeah. Again, 9.5-1. to one. I don't, I don't like the heat from a value perspective, but I'd love to just kind of transition this conversation to the Sixers. And I know that you can say, oh, Homer podcast, we talk about Noob's favorite team every week. But, hey, let's be honest. They're one of the most fascinating yeah. teams in the NBA right now, right? So you guys I don't think that – yeah, no, I don't really think that we're, uh, we're being homers here, right? I mean, I think that we're right to avoid the Kings because that's pretty boring. But the Sixers are fascinating. Um, so tell me what you've heard. It, it, when is Simmons coming back? I haven't heard anything. Um, there's supposed to be an update, I think, sometime towards the end of next week. But as mm-hmm. far as I know, the most uh, specific comment I've heard is he's got a pinched nerve in his back. I don't necessarily know what that is. I don't know what that really means. Um, we've heard that term from time to time, and it seems to be just kind of an ambiguous term for something in my back hurts. Um, so I'm worried about that. That's huge. I mean, if the Sixers don't have a healthy Ben Simmons... I think they can win a series, maybe two, um, but I don't, I really, really don't see them. Um, and that was going to be my question. How yeah, do they fare? How do they fare? Let's say Ben Simmons is out for the season because, you know, when we go to backs, this is real tricky, real tricky stuff and can put you out for a while. Let's say he's ruled out for the season. What do you think that they, you know, how far can they get with no Simmons? I think that they can win a first-round series. Now, a lot of that depends on their positioning. At this point, they're the sixth seed, so they'd be looking at the mm-hmm. Celtics in the first round. Which is probably their best matchup, wouldn't you agree? I think the Sixers, I think the Celtics would be a good matchup, and I actually think the Pacers, if they could get up into five and four and kind of do something that way, would be mm-hmm. a winnable series. I just, I mean, the Heat, I think the Heat win all their home games in that series. Um, and again, they should have home court advantage against the Sixers. So if they win all their home court games, it's it's pretty much over. Um, I think that they can be competitive with Embiid. I think that the one thing, you know, we had the, those couple weeks where Embiid was hurt. And it was just Simmons. And everyone was talking, oh, trade Embiid, trade Embiid, trade Embiid. You know, after months and months of, oh, trade Simmons, trade Simmons, trade Simmons. And now <laughs> there's no Simmons. And we get to see what Embiid looks like with an extra shooter on the floor. And it's like, oh, look at that. He's fucking incredible again. Um, so it just... And it drives me nuts because it's all just lineup composition stuff. And, and I know that at the end of the day, you have to find a way to put Embiid and Simmons on the floor together. But Brett Brown doesn't do anything interesting or creative. It's just horribly frustrating to watch. I mean, it took him all season to figure out that Shake Milton might be the best shooter on the freaking team. He's been sitting on the bench. <laughs> They've had him doing G League stuff. Like, what? Are you kidding me? We're giving minutes to um, Trey Burke was playing minutes at the beginning of the year. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. What, what, uh... Jesus. So it's it's nice to see Shake playing and get some minutes. He's an incredible shooter, and I think someone that could be really interesting when you think again about the playoffs and you think of kind of about archetypes, he could be a real nice spark plug guy. Bring him in off the bench kind of as a second unit thing, or you bring him in um, at the end of the first quarter in that um, substitution pattern where they bring in B back late. You put him on the floor like with Corkmaz and, and Thibel and, and um, you know maybe Burks, maybe Robinson, maybe Harris, and just go four shooters and Embiid for like a couple minutes a game. I think 
it's just you know, we've learned a lot about that. So I, again, I continue to be really optimistic about this roster, but I just have no faith that anyone is going to do anything interesting with it. It's it's like watching a sixteen year old with a driver's permit drive a NASCAR race. It's just exhausting. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that you guys match up pretty well against the uh, against a lot of the teams. I think you have problems with the Bucks and the Heat. I even think the Raptors, right? The Raptors are forty three and eighteen. You're thirty seven and twenty five, right? You think, oh, the Raptors. Well, I think if they play, that that's still a pretty good matchup. If Gasol's not out there, if Gasol's out there, I'd say it's it's, it's even. It's a coin flip, but. Um, Boy, I think that this is really fascinating. And boy, after how many years was the East just like boring, like just watch Cleveland march to the finals? The East is fascinating this year. I mean, this is just fantastic stuff um, from a fan's perspective. It really is. It's been so much fun to watch. And again, circling back, and you know, we always try to talk about some of the numbers and the value here. I like the Sixers at 10 to 1, but I'm going to wait. Um, mm-hmm. I need to hear a little bit more about Simmons, and I don't think that number is going to move a lot. I think that the market at this point is probably taking just a ton of Milwaukee Bucks bets. You know, anybody that missed out on Giannis MVP is just dumping on Eastern Conference minus 200. You know, people mm-hmm. are not really excited about the Celtics, the Raptors, or the Heat, or again, the Sixers or the Pacers. So I think that the Sixers number is going to hang around for a little while. And even if we do get some op- optimistic news about Simmons, but, you know, in another week or so, I'm going to check back in, see if we know a little more definitively how he's doing. So I'd maybe hold there. But if, if you were looking to get in some action, I think the Heat at nine and a half to one are pretty solid. And again, the Celtics at five to one, I think, are worth a look. Um, are you with me that the Pacers are a paper tiger and that, that, yeah. that they're the best matchup for any of these teams? I think that Oladipo getting healthy is causing more trouble than, than maybe it was worth. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you want him on the floor and you want him playing because when he does, he's an incredible player. But you take a team that played two-thirds of the season together and you push somebody into the starting lineup. It just it throws off everybody's you know kind of mojo. Um, you push somebody on the bench who's been starting. You now have the starters trying to get him the ball and work him into it. He's not in game shape. He's not 100% healthy. And, you know, again, when you look at the Celtics, it's it's almost, I'm sorry, if you look at the Pacers, it's it's kind of similar to what I talked about with your Kings. There's a lot of nice players here, but I don't know who the showstopper is. I don't know who the best player on a championship team is on the Indiana Pacers. So a fun right, team. Yeah, and it, it's just not there, right? Yeah. Oladipo and Sabonis both aren't the best player. They're the second best player on a championship team. So. Exactly. All right. Let's jump into the now. Let seven. me ask you about oh, Celtics real quick. Yeah, go ahead. So the Celtics. Earlier in the year, I had written them off. I thought their regular season team, no chance in the in the fi- in the playoffs. They don't have size. They screwed up. Team's looking pretty good. How do you feel about them? I think that they've kind of. I, I mean, I don't think they'll win, but I mean, I think it's actually a possibility that they could they could win the East. Now, what do you think of the Celtics? Well, they were one of the teams that during the preseason we were all trying to figure out what they could do to get better, and it turns out you're just growing internally. Again, Tatum has mm-hmm. taken a huge, huge step forward. I think Jalen Brown is much better this year. Kemba Walker is doing a nice job of fitting in and giving the, the, the team space. Um, Gordon Hayward is up and down every night. I think that for them to be a serious contender, he's got to find some consistency. And then we made fun of their big men, but Daniel Tice is a solid NBA center. I mean, he's not great. Like, I wouldn't be super excited. I think that at some point he'll become a free agency and get that stupid contract that every center gets. But he plays solid <laughs> on defense. He doesn't make mistakes on offense. Um, Enos Kanter, once you get to the playoffs, is actually kind of somebody that screws stuff up. If they use him like the Thunder kind of did, you know, just tell him to go in and don't even try to play defense. Like, just stand in front of the basket with your hands up, and on offense, get every offensive rebound. We don't care. If you miss, if they go flying by you on fast break, don't even get across half court. Just stay there. Um, that really causes teams a lot of trouble. And you were talking about it earlier. Offensive rebounding is, is not something that a lot of teams do. And when it happens, they're not ready for it. And, and Cantor is someone that is both very aggressive, very athletic, and just a really good offensive rebounder. He seems to have a real knack for it. And I think he can cause a lot of trouble. And like you said, we talked about earlier, I talked about Brad Stevens is a great coach. I think that with time, he can find ways to rearrange things and move people around and, and create lineups and situations that are going to make life difficult for Giannis. Um, and I wonder if he's even someone that goes kind of the other way, basically try to... So, you know, when you play a team with kind of one singular superstar, there's one of two ways. You try to slow down that superstar, you stop everybody else. Um, I wonder if he'll even try something like that out because they have the roster. If they really want to say, all right, Giannis, go for it. You're going to need to score 100 points every night to beat us because no one else is going to do a damn thing. 
Um, I, I am. I'm really optimistic about that team. The pairing of Brown and Tatum, what they can do there, you know, Hayward, whatever they kind of figure out. And again, Stevens. It's just, it's a team with a lot of flexibility, which I think is what you need. Cool. Yeah, that's good to hear. And finally, let's go to the Raptors. What do you think? I don't. I think they're a great regular season team. I don't see how this team matches up in the playoffs. Um, and I think that this is they're they're probably at the top four, the most ripe for a first round upset. Would you agree with me here? Or are you? Uh, well, are we going opposite again? We've somehow flip flopped because at the beginning of the season, <laughs> that's basically exactly what I said when I was all all about these Raptors win total unders, which are still possible, folks. They have not gone over yet. <laughs> it's possible. Um, but it's a team that's kind of playing with house money, and I think that's really valuable. Uh, the biggest concern is obviously injuries. Van Vliet, um, Siak, uh, I'm sorry, Van Vliet, Abaka, and Gasol have been in and out just about every other week with some sort of nagging thing, and they need them to be on the floor. But if they can have Lowry, Van Vliet, Anubi, Siakam, Abaka healthy, um, you know, Norman Powell coming off the bench, um, I think that that's an interesting team. It's it's a bunch of veterans. They're not going to be worried. They know they're, again, kind of playing with house money, so there's no pressure there. I think that they're tough matchups for the Sixers, again, if the big guys are healthy. And I think they could be a tough matchup for the Bucks. Again, I don't know if they win those series, but I think they're going to be a lot more competitive than people give them credit for. Okay, interesting. I think part of my reason of being out of them is watching Milwaukee go up. I, I think it was last Sunday. And just house the Raptors in Toronto. Um, yeah, from a value perspective, again, they're the third favorite to win the East. I think that's wrong. I'd have them behind right. Miami and probably, frankly, behind Philadelphia. I would, too. But maybe the same as Philadelphia and behind Miami. But, again, there's no value in the price, although I think from a purely basketball standpoint, they can definitely be competitive. All right. Now, I definitely need your opinions on the bottom two teams here. I'll give you quick. Uh, I'll give you quick my opinion on both. So the Nets, I can't get right. They lost Kyrie. They went on a five-game stretch where they had the top five net rating in the league. Over the last four games, they've returned to earth and have not played as well. I don't know what to make of this team, and I'm losing money on them. Talk to me about the Nets. From a game-in and game-out perspective from the regular season, I think that they will settle in and be a nice team winning some games down the stretch. From a playoff perspective, they don't scare me at all. They're going to get crushed in the first round against whoever they get. I think that, like you said, they're still trying to figure out who they are as a team. Um, you know, with Kyrie gone, again, there's a lot that they need from an offensive perspective, but they play more like a team. The defense is, is obviously much better with Kyrie off the floor. And you look at some of these losses, you know, they get blown out at home against Memphis, just a super weird loss. But you look at the travel spot, you know, it was their first game at home off a four-game road trip, um, second night of a back-to-back after an overtime win against Boston. You know, they lose mm-hmm. in Miami by three. Miami might be the best home team in, in the league at this point besides Milwaukee. Um you know, they lose in Atlanta the night before that. I think that's just a clear look-ahead spot. I think that they were in Atlanta looking ahead to Miami. Um, and then lost to Washington. That's only four points. They lose to home to Orlando by two. So as I start to pick apart some of those losses, I think that they're a lot they're, – they're pretty close, and those games could have gone either way. Um, you know, again, from a spread perspective, that Orlando game was horrible. They were up by, like, 15 or something at the end of the third mm-hmm. um, as a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and it just collapsed. But the rest of the games, real close games. I think that they're going to be fine. You, you look ahead at their schedule. They've got two home games this week. Then they have another. They have two more four-game road trips. Um, but outside of those, I think that they're going to be really competitive. They've got Boston at home at the end of March. I think that's going to be an interesting game. They've got the Clippers at home at the end of March. I think that uh, I'll be betting them in that game. The Clippers have not been a fantastic road team. And they've got two dates with Milwaukee at the end of the season where the Bucks might be resting players. So... I'm optimistic about the Nets from a regular season perspective. I'm going to continue to try to find angles and opportunities to bet on them. Um, but yeah, from a playoff perspective, I don't think I have anything interesting to say. So I like them from a yeah, no, season, I, but go ahead. We agree on playoffs. We agree on playoffs. I just wanted to get your – I don't know how to approach this team for gambling for the rest of the season because right now this is where you make your money in the NBA. Everything's clearly defined. Our models are, you know, based off actual reasonable data. You know what I'm saying? We have plenty of sample size. And I'm and I'm winning on most teams. I'm having a great season, so I shouldn't be complaining. But the Nets, I can't get right. And the next team we're going to talk about, I can't get right. 
the magic. What is going on with these two teams, and, and how come I can't get on the right side of their games? I have no idea what to do with the magic. I, I don't. I thought that team could be competitive at the beginning of the year, and then they spent most of the year not being competitive. So that's mm-hmm. a team I really stay away from their games. I've had a really poor read on them. Um, at the strangest times, they're very competitive. So it's the roster itself is it's a bunch of solid NBA players that have played together now for a little bit and maybe that's what we're seeing is just that allowing them to be competitive um, they're the eighth seed right now I think that they're trying like hell to hold on to that um, now they've got a four and a half game lead over Washington a five game five and a half game lead over Charlotte so you know they're not in too much danger but I think it's just maybe that's kind of what you're seeing a, a team that's really laser focused on making the playoffs and maybe finding ways to play a little above where they would be normally yeah, okay, so I'm the same way. So those are two teams that I've struggled with. Uh, of these um, non-playoff teams, because I don't think the Wizards are going to catch the Magic, do you? No, I don't. I think that um, the, the playoffs in the East are pretty much set. Yeah. But the Wizards, so I don't even bother taking sides in their game. I just take overs, and I'm winning at like 60% on that. Um, did you have any fun thoughts on the Wizards? Um, the Wizards are just a really competitive team. I, I like... I actually like betting on them from time to time. When they're big dogs, um, they mm-hmm. are great and competitive at the end of games, and you get a lot of backdoor opportunities with them. Um, right. So I like them a lot. I think that they're a fun team to bet on night in and night out. Um, how about you? Yeah, I've been taking the points too. They're another team that when they get double digits, I think, uh, because they were so poor when they had – you remember when they got struck by injuries and they were running that rocket small ball lineup but not on purpose? Yeah. It just tanked their net rating because they were losing by 20 to 30. But it was like, um, you know, the Rockets did it, like, intentionally and put a bunch of shooters who were able to do it. You know, they were kind of just running with no big and, and no real way to do it. Now, you know, they've got uh, Bryant healthy again, and they got a real center. Uh, Hashimura is much better than I thought he would be. He's a nice, solid player. Bradley Beal's been fantastic. Um, and, and Davis Bertans is you know, a great sharpshooter. So I love this team. I like playing the overs and I like grabbing them as a dog of, of more than plus 10, you know, in the obvious non-situational spots. Like, you know, last night kind of sucked with the back to back, but you know, if it's a net neutral uh, situational spot and I'm getting more than 10 points, I'm, I'm taking the wizards. Yeah, the East has a lot of teams. Again, we talked about in the West teams that should and shouldn't be tanking. You look at the wizards, uh-huh. you look at the Hornets, you look at the bulls, even the Knicks and, and from night to night, Really, any team but the Pistons that's out of the playoffs. All these teams try hard. It's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And the Hornets, again, they've got a lot of young players. The Bulls have a lot of young players. So maybe it's just, you know, they don't know any better, frankly. Uh, the Pistons are terrible. They're, they're just fade the Pistons. But you know what's funny? Go ahead. They're an, actually, they haven't played that bad since losing everybody on offense. I was like, I was all set to just fade them every game the rest of the year. And after losing like three of my first five trying to do it. Now, of course, I'm fading them against the spread, right? I mean, they're not winning the games outright. But they're keeping these games close. And they play like a a fun, fluid style with just a bunch of guys that that I don't really know. And I'm kind of learning on the fly. So I've been actually wary of of the Pistons games. And you're right. They do play hard. They've been playing very hard. It's it's funny. Again, you would think now would be the time a lot of these teams would be shutting it down. I go, I know that the Pistons have maybe been better than we thought, but I continue to go against them every night. I think that that team is okay. well. They either score seventy or one hundred and twenty. It's one of the weirdest things, right? So I don't sell their totals either. Sell yeah. points, but then you look at the rest of these teams, like the Hawks and the Cavs specifically. Both of these teams, I think, are trying real hard night in and out because they want to figure out what they have. The Hawks want to see if you know the double big guy with Young works. The Cavs want to see if they have anything in Drummond. So it becomes tough from a regular season perspective. I know that you're pretty positive on one of those two teams. Yeah, the Cavaliers uh, getting the new coach bump. So we talk about the sample size. I think the, the, the ratings are wrong on this team because they played for, for so long under a coach they didn't like. And, you know, we could do a whole podcast on whether or not that, that guy got a, got a fair shake in Cleveland. Um, but regardless, they got a new coach that they're listening to and they're playing hard for, and they're actually running the plays. I mean, it's funny. They go back, you know, when they were dealing uh, with Beeline. I mean, they were showing times where he was calling plays and they were just completely ignoring him. I mean, it was it was not working at all. They got a coach that they're listening to, you know, and I think that the, the ratings that the books are putting up are like three to four points wrong a lot of times on the Cavaliers. Not saying that you're going to win every time, but I, there's actually a little bit of value in the right situational spots on the Cavaliers. 
Interesting. Yeah, it's. I think I see a lot of the same stuff. I think people look at that team and they think, um, you know, again, they probably should be tanking, but they're not. They're trying hard, and they have talented NBA players. They're just trying to put it all together. And I think with the new coach, just really anybody but Beeline at this point, you're, you're seeing a lot more positivity out of that team. Um, any other of these uh, non-playoff teams in the East that you find interesting that you'll be betting on or against a lot over the next couple of weeks? Uh, the Bulls have been putting up points. Uh, I like going over in their games. And I think that uh, Kobe White is, is a great rookie. Um, I kind of like that team a lot more than I did preseason. So it'll be interesting to see how I rate them going next year. I'm going to squeeze out my under, it looks like. Um, but it's definitely still on the line. Uh, where it, Earlier in the season, I thought it was a slam dunk. So uh, the Bulls are definitely, I think they're a fun team to watch. But they just don't defend that well. Uh, I'm liking the overs in their games. Knicks, I don't know what to do with that team. And uh, the Hawks, I'll take them if they're getting points at home, and that's about it. All right, any other thoughts in the East before we quickly handicap the Thursday games? No, I think we got a, I would think we got a pretty good, um, I think we got a pretty good wrap up there, and I don't think we're going to be able to make a friendly wager here because I think we're more in lockstep on, uh, on the way that these, this, this Eastern Conference is going to play out. I thought it was a good way to give ourselves a little direction going forward and check in on some of the futures and make sure that we're settled the rest of the way. But we've got four games tonight. My guess is you might get to listen to this in time, so we'll try to give you our thoughts. The Denver Nuggets are visiting Charlotte. They're 10-point favorites on the road. The total is a pretty well, – I don't know if that's high or low. 207. What do you think when you see those numbers spread? How is the total that low? Well, Charlotte is a pretty slow team, and they actually have decent defense. And Denver's been one of the better defensive teams all year. So I think that that's actually a pretty good number the more I look at it. Um, just pull up a few few data points here. So to you, that actually looks low. Yeah. Let me see. It's, it is, I guess, you, it, you know, and it's. I think that's the tough part in, in the 20, you know, if this was a few years ago, you'd be like, oh, that's probably right. But it's 2020 now, and everybody just is playing so fast and shooting so, so much. But, you know, as I look at the Nuggets, again, their pace is right around 100, where they've been all season. That's one of the slower paces mm-hmm. in the league. Um, you know, Charlotte, let me see if I can find Charlotte here. Good lord! Um, you know, again, they have a fairly slow pace. There they are again. They're right around. They're actually below 100. They've been between 98 and 99 all year. So you've got two tremendously slow teams. So I think that's really what's driving the low total there. Um, so I think maybe we'll stay away from that because we don't necessarily have a definitive opinion there. Well, how do you feel about? I'm this not spirit? laying 10. I'm not laying 10. Are you? No, I don't. I don't think you can. It's. I'm trying to pull up the Nuggets schedule right here to see what they've been doing. You know, if this is a long road trip or like a one or two game roadie here. Um, But I I think you're right. That number 10 is, that's a big number. Um, What do you think you would make this though? Closer to seven or eight? I mean, what are we looking at in terms of the variance? Yeah, I'd make it minus seven, but I don't want to take the Hornets, so that's why I'm not playing the game. But yeah, I think they did give them too many points. It's the first game of, of a two-game road trip, but they 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 were off last night, so they should be okay. I, I think you're right. This is probably a stay away. Um, maybe a Charlotte team total under something like that. Um, the team total probably right around 97, 98, something like that. Mm-hmm. Clippers visiting the Rockets. This game should be a lot of fun. Um Numbers bouncing back and forth between the Clippers minus one and Houston minus one. So let's call it a pick 'em. The total sits right at 236. My inclination is to play the under because I think this is going to have kind of a regular season playoff game feel to it. What do you think? Yeah. 236.5 is the number I'm seeing right now. Um, I do think so, but boy, these teams have been high paced and, and uh, boy, did you, the Clippers Sixers game, uh, the total finished in like the 250s, 260s. So uh, even though we know them for their defense, they can be lackadaisical at times. I'm actually staying away from the total in this game and I'm going to be jumping on the side. I like the Clippers here. Um, and the idea that I have is basically when the Clippers have both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in the lineup, they um, have the second highest net, net rating in the league. Uh, without them, you know, they're they're in the between five and ten. 
Mm-hmm. So he, it's a significant difference. Obviously, it's a small sample size, uh, but they jump ahead of the Lakers, and they're they're close to the Bucks now. The Bucks are like historical in net rating right now, uh, one of the best teams of all time. They have the best uh, net rating of all time right now. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I like the Clippers here because I'm getting both stars and the net ratings. If you just use the net rating for that, it's going to show you that that the Clippers should be favored, and I'm seeing a, a plus one. So I like the Clippers in this game, and I'm going to stay away from the total. All right. Um, yeah, I guess from a side what perspective, if, if Kawhi's playing, if, if they've got a full deck, I think the Clippers take this game pretty seriously. I do like them, but I'm, I'm going to stay away. I mean, if you, again, we'll wait and see and make sure everyone's confirmed just before game time. But lean Clippers and lean under. Now, we've got a big game here spread. My Philadelphia 76ers are all the way across the country. They're in Sacramento. I assume that you've already got front row seats and that you will be there tonight. The Kings are a five-point favorite. Now, let's remember the Sixers are definitely without Ben Simmons. Let me double-check and see if Joel Embiid is a game-time decision. Um, That line tells me that he must be a game-time decision, possibly even guaranteed out already. Um, Are you shocked to see the Kings as a five-point favorite at home? Joel no, will I mean, be out. Yeah. And, and, so and no Josh you know, Richardson actually as well. So um, just yeah. Tobias Harris tonight at the big four. Right. Uh, no, I think the number's about right. If I were to approach this from a betting perspective and uh, tell me what you think, what about the Sixers' first half? The last couple games on this trip without both stars, they just come out good in the first half and then they blow it in the second half. What do you think of taking the Sixers in the first half here? That's an interesting look. I don't know too much about the Kings as a first-half team, but I know my first-quarter model doesn't love them. So I think if you are going to think about the Sixers, something in the range of the first half, because you're right, once they get to the end of the game and things tighten up, it's going to be tough for the Sixers to do a lot without Richardson, Simmons, and Embiid. It's, it's going to be tough for Tobias Harris to find space. I, I wonder what Brett Brown is going to draw up tonight. It should be... Uh, pretty awful to watch <laughs> yeah so i think I, I might do something weird like um sixers first half and king's full game oh i like that that's an interesting angle i like that um next up toronto visiting golden state the return of steph curry the total sits at 225 and a half up two points from the opener so people are expecting a lot of points in this game the spread though opened at eight still sits at eight what do you think about the raptors laying eight in golden state I don't like getting involved in these Golden State games. They're just like, uh, every time I fade them, they end up winning, like straight up, <laughs> you know, as 10-point underdogs. And then, you know, when I try and grab the points with them, they lose by 30. So I kind of hate this game from a gambling perspective. Uh, you know what I was thinking and we were talking about? Let me see if they have them right now. We were talking about Curry Unders. Do you think he's really going to get that many minutes? No, I don't. I think I maybe mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I'll um, definitely rehash it. I, I don't think he is going to play a lot. I don't know why, if you're Golden State, I mean, it's. I think this is their first, if not second season in their new arena, and, and they want to make sure that the fans get to see Steph Curry play and all that stuff, and they'll have Steph Curry mm-hmm. nights and make sure he does his warm-up so people can watch him shoot from the tunnel and all that stupid crap. Um, <laughs> hey, that's awesome. That's not stupid. But I don't think that he's going to be playing a lot of NBA minutes. He certainly shouldn't be. Um, I saw that account, uh, Hardwood Paroxysm, Matt, I think is it Matt Moore is his Matt name? Matt Moore. Yeah, our, um, yeah. Had, a, had a tweet, and he was like, I don't even know why he'd be playing at all. And I agree. I don't, why, why get Curry out on the floor? You know, see, get the young guys in. Get Andrew Wiggins as many minutes as you can. Get him in there chucking balls up in the air. See if Eric Paschal is actually somebody who can be an NBA player. All these other goofy guys they have on the team. Um, but, no, I, I don't think that we see more than 20 minutes from Steph Curry tonight. And I wonder if we see even really a full Steph Curry game before the season's over. What do you think? Yeah, and five dimes didn't line any props for that game. So, uh, I'll keep an eye on that for later. So, here, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to be uh, – I'm going to take the opposite side here. I think it's important for Curry to get out there. Uh, not necessarily for him. I think it's good for these younger players' development. I mean, um, you know, we've, we've talked about it before. You know how basically they're just getting ready for next year. Well, let's see how these guys play with the star. Let's actually let them feel uh, what it's like to be out there, maybe with a little extra space. I mean, and see really what they're going to be dealing with. And then also, I think that Curry can give uh, feedback for the um, 
for the team, the coach and the management of which players that he likes and which players that he thinks are working well with what he does. Uh, I think they're going to have a lot of fun, you know, the way that things have been, because I'll tell you what, uh, D'Angelo wrestles no Steph Curry, right? So it's going to be a whole different uh, point guard out there. A lot of opportunities for these other players to be able to, to really learn what it's like to be on the floor with a star. And I think it's good for the team. Um, you know, it's a hand uh, that he's dealing with. It's not a knee. It's not an ankle or something where I think that the repetitive motion, you know, could take time off his career or something. So I'm excited to see him back. I think they're smart to use him in, in small doses. And I think that, uh, you know, you're right about the minutes, though. I think that, you know, Kerr's smart enough to where, boy, you know, if they're winning, I don't know if he's going to get a lot of fourth quarter minutes because they don't need W's right now. But I think it's good for the development of the team for him to be out there. Awesome. All right, Spurt, that was the last game. Unfortunately, I don't think we had any picks for the Thursday night games. Uh, you like the I Clippers. I pick Clippers. Oh, that's right. You pick the Clippers. I lean the Clippers. So we'll, we'll give and out. And I'll the, take the Sixers we'll first half as official. Sixers first half. All right. Nothing for me. Um, again, maybe an under in that Houston Clippers game. Maybe maybe the Clippers. I like that. But everything else kind of stinks. But it was fun talking about it. NBA again for a little bit. Anything else spread we need to, to cover for the people before we wrap? No, I think this is fun, you know, uh, rather than doing like nitty gritty gambling stuff, it's just getting together and talk some basketball. Um, and boy, this is when the NBA really heats up. You know, it's going to be overshadowed by March Madness a tad, uh, but there's fantastic playoff positioning uh, to be determined uh, in both sides, you know, um, you know, three through six are, are wide open and that's going to depend these uh how these playoff matchups shake out. And I think that these are going to actually see who goes to the second round, because I think there's great matchups and matchups that teams don't want. And what's really going to be fascinating is when we get to the last two weeks, our team's going to try and lose to avoid a certain matchup. Like, uh, I mean, I'm telling you what, if I'm, uh, you know, Boston, I don't know if I want to play Philly in the first round. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So real excited to get together and talk to you. And, 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 uh, I think we got some good stuff out today. Awesome. I had a great time. Thanks for joining me, and thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. Reach out to us at NetworthPod with any of your thoughts. What might you want to hear more of? What might you want to hear less of? We appreciate <laughs> it, and uh, we'll be back sooner rather than later to talk some NBA as well as the WTA podcast, which uh, will be out this weekend sometime, assuming we get that Indian Wells draw. So have a great couple of days. We'll be back shortly. Good luck in all your wagers.